coverage. Viewer discretion is advised. What's the buzz? Hello, everybody. I am Mad Dog Scipio, joined as I am each and every week by Her Holiness and Her Rolliness. What are you laughing at me for? Amelia the Pitbull Chapman. How are you, Amelia? I've been wonderful. How are you? I'm fabulous. Look at me. Don't I look terrific? Absolutely. Oh, I got to show you something. Check this out. New cup. Oh, I like that. That's called the Mega Cup. Yep. That's two and a half cups of pure protein, baby. Well, not actually, pure caffeine, I should say. There you go. <laughs> Good stuff. We got a special guest with us tonight, Amelia. Yes, we this do. Guy, and I want to tell everybody, this gentleman um, who joined us tonight, uh, he looks like a nice guy. He looks like, like <laughs> the guy next door laughing at me already. He's already laughing at me. That's funny shit. Um his name is Carver Pike, and uh, he has a rather unusual vocation. He writes horror and dark fantasy. Yes. Um, Amelia is the uh, young lady that turned me on to this uh, crazy person. Um, I I thought he was a nice guy, and I read some of his stuff. I'm like, he's so, he's got some problems. Maybe you want to go see somebody tonight. <laughs> um, we all look at this. We already have somebody in the chat room. He's oh, been a Facebook Donna friend Lincoln for a very Donna. long time. Donna. Hello, Donna. Hi, Donna. How you doing, kid? Thanks oh, for there joining. We go. I can see the car is awesome. I agree, Donna. He is awesome because he's been a Facebook friend of mine for, for many years, and I have followed him because of his books. They are great. Well, I'll I tell, can you, tell what, you that. I was going to, you know, Amelia, every week I do a, mm -hmm. a, you know, 
a stellar job of introducing everybody. But you know what? Carver Pike is a writer, and he wrote an amazing introduction of himself. Yes. That I'm going to share with everybody. Please it do. says, hello, my name is Carver Pike. <laughs> I'm a two-time Splatterpunk award-nominated author. We're going to find out what the fuck Splatterpunk is, spunk punk is tonight, because I have never heard of it, and I can't even pronounce the goddamn thing. Uh, I am one of the four co-hosts behind Written in Red podcast. I'm guessing that means Written in Blood. And I host my own YouTube show called First Chapter Freak Show. I want to be a guest on that fucking show. I want to be there because I got a a fucking freak show story to tell you, brother. Uh, I read other authors' books and talk about the world of of indie horror publishing. And with that, I introduce you to our new guest, our new friend, and a guy who will join us often because I like the way he, he rolls with his stuff. That's good stuff. Uh, he's a young guy, but he writes like a guy that's that's lived a hundred years. His name is Carver Pike. I introduce him again. Welcome, Carver Pike. Thank Welcome, you, Carver. Man. Thank How you, are thank you, young man. I was rocking out to your intro music and having a blast reading all the tiles and stuff. And uh, that you're sponsored by Manscape and my balls will thank you. I thought that was yes. pretty funny. Yeah, uh, that was. Uh, <laughs> That was actually uh, my my spot. Yeah, I did that commercial. I remember, and they're still a sponsor, by the way. Uh-huh. Yeah, I man, felt like I was good. like I was a wrestler walking out to my theme music. Yeah, <laughs> your balls. Will, thank you. Um, your friend Donna says that he was robbed. He should have won. Okay, so I need to ask you, what's the Splatter Spunk Award? What the hell is that all about? <laughs> <laughs> I think the Splatter Spunk Award would be a whole different award show. Okay, what is this? Splatter, what's it called? The Splatter, splatter Punk Award? Oh, Splatter Punk. <laughs> what the hell is the Splatter Punk Award? So the Splatter Punk Awards is actually a mix now of Splatter Punk and Extreme Horror. It's uh, given oh, out at the I Killer Con, uh, mm-hmm. the horror convention that's done every year in Austin, Texas. Uh, it's coming up this year in, in okay. August. So it's uh it's one of the major horror awards that they do every year. And um my book this year, The Maddening, which is the fifth and final book in my Diablo Snuff series, is nominated this year for a splatter punk. So I saw that. Um <laughs> not, I was not a splatter <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know what happened? I'm not an author. And I wrote I wrote splatter spunk on my on my my script. So well, now, now, I, now I also would like to be nominated for a splatter spunk. So that's my next. There you uh, go. My that's next goal. That's the newest award. I give you that word freely. It's public domain now. Yeah, that's you your next book. You can copyright it, and splatter spunk becomes yours. Yeah. So let's talk about. Um, the world of horror i have i will be honest with you one of the reasons i wanted you here uh is first of all amelia turned me on to who you are and your work and so i did some uh, independent oh yeah she she loves it she's been a friend of yours for facebook a couple years now Um, more than Um, that actually i said you have to i I said you have to read his books i said you have to look at carver yeah but you know what, Amelia? I didn't know that he was that you, this young man was this accomplished. Yes, um, I, yeah, I had to have I, him find uh, out for himself. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to find out tonight. Um, mm-hmm. So here's what we're going to do. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about 
you know, your inspirations. Uh, some of the people I, and I'm a little older than you. Some of the people I grew up reading were like, you know, Clive Barker and, um, uh, you know, uh, of course, everyone, Stephen King, Dean Koontz, mm-hmm. um, Bram Stoker, of course, was, you know, legendary horror writer, Mary Shelley, um, Annie Rice, Interview with a Vampire. Uh, and then there were, of course, the classics like Edgar Allan Poe and Ray Bradbury uh, and William Peter Blatty, Shirley Jackson, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. This is just as a, a partial list of some of the greatest horror writers of all time. Um, who inspired you? You've got this amazing who's who of horror writers. Who's the uh, who was your 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 cinch pin? Who who was the guy or woman that that that, that put their hooks in you and said, "Okay, this is me now. I'm I've got to do this." It's kind of it's it's strange because I didn't really. Uh, it, most horror authors, a lot of them, will tell you that Stephen King was a huge inspiration and stuff. And I honestly, um, I, I honestly haven't re- haven't read that much Stephen King. I mean, I've read a couple of his books, and most of that was later on in life. Um, when I was younger, I had kind of a, a rougher childhood and stuff. And uh, a lot of the books I picked up, I'd get them at Goodwill or something like that, or or at the library, and I read kind of like a hodgepodge of books, just random shit I picked up here and there, right. mostly judging books off the cover. I read, uh, I want to say, I picked up like R.L. Stein and, and Christopher Pike and stuff, but way, bef- way before like Goosebumps and stuff like that, yeah. I mean, before he was even doing that kind of stuff. So it was like sure. uh, The Babysitter and things like that, his books. And um, uh, kid books like... Uh, what's uh scary stories to tell in the dark mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. You know, from the kid as a library, you know, from the, oh, as sure. a kid from the library. And then um, I would start picking up stuff like the Ed and Lorraine Warren books and all the demonologist yeah. kind of shit like that. Just really random shit. I mean, I can't yeah. tell you any one author from a young kid that I was reading because it was all just random shit. In fact, I find books still to this day. Sometimes I'll pick up a book to read and I'll be like, Oh, I read this already. I didn't even know who the author yeah. was at the time. Yeah. Like I was, there's a book called death instinct from Bentley little yeah. that if you've never read it, it's fucking sick, man. It's like about this, this killer that's, that's just fucking everybody up in this town, but in, in really sick, gruesome ways. Yeah. Like I remember this scene where these people are walking out of a movie theater and this razor wire just whips across and like cuts them in half. And it turned and and it's uh, well, I don't want to spoil it for you, but it's, it's oh, just, I know the I know the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I yeah. I read this and, and I know I, the author, and yeah. I couldn't tell you at the time who the author was, and later on I I found Bentley Little and I just loved Bentley Little, yeah. and I went to pick up Death Instinct and I was like I've never read this one. I start reading it and I'm like holy mm-hmm. shit, this is that book I read as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't even realize yeah. I'd already read it because I didn't really cling to one author at the time i was just reading well, whatever it's interesting you you bring something up that's that's fascinating um a lot of what we read in horror makes its way into horror has always been considered a fringe genre we should all agree on that yeah. but it's interesting how horror as of the last i'm going to say relatively recent meaning the last 20 years or so how horror has made its way into big time into the mainstream 
where it was once considered a fringe element, it's now almost uh, not only just the norm, but it's the predecessor to the norm. Yeah. Look around on on television, film, uh, uh, cable, Internet. The amount of horror is just permeating uh, anything scripted, anything reality, anything um, nostalgic. There's um, we had a show. Uh, in fact, we talked about it before we went on the air. Mm-hmm. We had a show two weeks ago. I had four of the hottest indie horror directors in the country with me. And it's amazing how much horror is out there. These guys, between four guys, they did 140 movies. God. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And, and just as proof of what I'm saying, Carver Pike is a young guy, probably not yet 40, because you look like a baby. Uh, 43. 43? But- okay, so I wasn't far off. Um, but you have a situation here where you, a guy in his early 40s has already written in excess of 30 books. That's yeah. that's my point proven. So for a guy to write more than 30 books and have the better uh, uh, majority of them, I should say the, the most of them, the majority of them published, you got to be doing something right and you or you or you latched onto a market that's hot. So I'm going to let you uh, tell me what it was and uh, and how this snowball to where you are. Well, I mean, I actually started out writing um erotica actually, romance and erotica. Oh, I love well, actually it. I'll rewind even before that. <laughs> actually no. I started out writing dark fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody read it, a friend of mine, and said, you should try erotica. Like, your style would work really well in erotica. That's where to go mm-hmm. right now. Fifty Shades of Grey is hot mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's where the money is. So it kind of started out as a dare, and it was – I didn't wasn't taking it seriously, honestly, at first. I said, you know, I'm going to – I'm going to write a story about a girl that gets fucked on a Ferris wheel. That's honestly how it started out. It was, it was a joke. Really. It was like, I'm going to write this story. I dared her. I said, okay, you write a horror book. I'll write an erotica book. Well, she didn't write the horror book, but I wrote the erotica book. And then I, and then people seemed to like it. So I wrote a sequel and then the third book to the, to the series. And then, and then people started to kind of like that pen name that I'd created, which was actually a family name. It's Chris Genovese. So, That's the name I was using as an erotica pen name. And uh, and I still use it to write more like romantic suspense. I actually use CM Genovese. Uh, for, my name is Christopher Michael. It's my real first and middle name. Mm-hmm. And um, so CM Genovese is where I write like uh, kind of like Sons of Anarchy books, like mm-hmm. biker books and stuff. So um, I uh, started writing that kind of stuff. and But my heart was always in horror. So I started publishing horror books under that pen name. The Christianity right. name, but it's really hard to sell horror to a romance crowd. People don't really. It sure is. The crossover, <laughs> <not really. laughs> what you think it is, you know. Um, so at some point, I just said, you know, I'm going to separate it. I created the name Carver Pike, and uh, kind of went from there. And yeah, but I, I ne- but I neglected it for a long time. I really didn't put the effort into horror that I I couldn't. Like I was being pulled towards 
I'd, I'd created something with the erotica and romance and it wasn't really allowing me to focus on horror like I wanted to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I kind of at some point put my foot down and said, all right, I'm going to stop erotica for a while. Yeah. And because well, the, the name Carver Pike, I think you alluded to it earlier, but um, Christopher Pike was, was clearly uh, an inspiration for the name, perhaps. Uh Partially, yeah. And then I did have a character that I really liked that was in another book of mine that I called Pike. Oh, okay. He was just a character of mine. And then I just wound up liking the name Pike and then Carver. I don't even know where it came from. It just sounded cool and that went yeah, together. That's a name. I like that. Yeah, you know, it's funny because mm-hmm. I thought to myself, okay, he's, his name is Christopher Genovese. Okay, so now, how did he come up with Carver Pike? All right, he's a horror author. He's got this big wielding, this big knife. <laughs> in his promo f- picture. So, okay, so he's a carver. He likes to butcher people up. Okay, Pike. <laughs> I thought maybe he got his name from Alan Pike, the uh, the notorious satanic owner of the Pike house. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> but look, it makes sense. Yeah. Either way, Carver Pike is a great name. I love it. No, but mm-hmm. that is actually where Carver came from. When I was trying to think of, when I said it sounded cool, I was thinking of mm-hmm. carving stuff up. And I did mm-hmm. think it just kind of went together, Carver, you know, and then like my yeah. group name on Facebook is the Carver's Block. Mm-hmm. So I just thought it's, you know, so it, just, it. it all kind of came together and, and that's where my focus went. And that's where I've, that where I'm spending most of my time. I really just, beautiful. I mean, people call me Carver now. It's more like a, a nickname than a pen name, really. So it's like, I mean, that's what people have been. Well, I tell you about. what, man, um, I got a young lady here that's a, uh, She's jumping to ask you some questions. Amelia, ask away. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, it's like, where do you get the ideas for the covers? Because, uh, I mean, that's what intrigues me. Like you were saying, you know how you look at the covers, and that's what intrigues you to get the book to read it. Oh, where do you yeah. get the inspiration? Um, good question. It's, it's, it's a good question, and I, and I have a hard time writing the book if I don't have a cover already, like, <laughs> It's just something that really bothers me. If I start to write a book and I haven't, because I create my own covers. So if I don't already have the cover, then it really, really bothers me. So um, that's interesting. Yeah. And really interesting. And I, I, I'll be the first to admit that my covers probably need some work. I do need to work with cover artists. And well, I love them, actually. That's what intrigues me. Well, it's interesting, Amelia, that Carver says that because we're going to. You know that we love to play show and tell on the show. Mm-hmm. And I put together a slideshow of some of you know, mm-hmm. Carver Pike's greatest hits. So, <laughs> it's showing tell time. Yay. Um, what I want to do, um, you know what? But Carver, you have a point there. I spent a lot of time in the music business. and I know a lot mm-hmm. of musicians. I know people who can't write a song unless they have a title first. Yes. And I know people that write a song and then come up with the title after. I can't write a poem with, unless I have a title first. And that's mm-hmm. it, because form follows function. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about, um, let's talk about that. Let's, I'm going to go write it. You know what, Amelia? This is mm-hmm. no time like the, the present. Show and We're tell time. Do, let's do show and tell, baby. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Show and tell. All right, so this is the um, that famous carving picture. <laughs> oh my god! I did I did not create that cover. A friend did because that was part of a series that I was in with other well, authors. Talk to me about the title here, Quills and Daggers. I like so that, that was, title. 
All right. So the collective was actually a series with other authors that I was in where um, it was me and four other authors, I believe. Right. Yeah, there were 10 books in the series. So there were five of us in total. We each read, we each wrote two books. So there were 10 okay. books in total. Uh, our two books had to be a standalone story. So really you could read my two books and so my quills and daggers and we all fall down. The two stories would create its own right. whole story. Uh, but they all mentioned all the author's stories mentioned a serial killer. So my 10th book in that series was the, from the serial killer's point of view and kind of closed out the full thing. So gotcha. Quills and daggers was actually the name of a tattoo shop. Oh, and, oh interesting. Okay. Awesome. And the characters that ran the tattoo shop. So where was the, uh, the, the catharsis for a foreign evil? A foreign evil is based in the country of Panama, and I actually lived in Panama for ten years. So, okay. uh, so a foreign evil, mm -hmm. you know, and it's about a guy that's uh, visiting Panama for a bachelor party weekend and gets wrapped up in, and that's uh, that's me. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Minus the uh, the huge machete. Yeah, <laughs> a friend of mine is a photographer and was taking photos and did my. Mm -hmm. Headshot well, we, we now we see the uh, the young woman behind the gentleman. She's yes. clearly from the uh, Quills and Daggers tattoo parlor. Yeah. Um, judging by the sleeve that she's. <laughs> so that's the collector's around. edition. That's the one you or that's the the one special edition where it's parts one and two together. So if you yeah, buy that the, one, it's just. I was going to ask you about that. That we all fall down the collector's edition. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah, so the. That's, the the, the combination that the combo book right so rather than buy one and two you could just get that one and it's my two stories together so there you go terrific yeah so, and i love the artwork by the way it's beautiful artwork um okay, this is my poetry book and it's all about one man's journey to beat depression so this is not horror it's more right. of like a whimsical i like to describe it as kind of like Shell Silverstein is another big inspiration of mine. I love Shell. Oh, I love Shell. Yes. My my one of my dreams has always been to take this story and put an illustration on each page, just a black and white one, kind of like old Shell Shell Silverstein style. Yep. Mm -hmm. I just don't have the the. I can make that happen for you. So that would I be can, amazing. I can make that happen for you. So yeah. I just it's I was holding off for so long doing that, and then I eventually yeah. just said, you know what, I'm going to put the book out. I, I can absolutely early. straight up, straight mm -hmm. shoot. I can make that happen for you. Yeah. So that we'll talk amazing. about that. Um, let's talk about the and I like this title. It's, in fact, it's a fascinating title: "Discovering Ivy in a Charcoal Cave." Where did the uh, where did the title? Uh, one thing that you'll find out about me, Carver. I love I love getting into people's heads because your title well, tells me a lot about who you are. The title of a book tells me a lot about the guy or woman that wrote it. So where did that come from, discovering ivory in a charcoal cave? Well, first of all, I suffer from a lot of depression myself. So this was kind of my own, like, I mean, my own way of kind of beating it. Okay. It's told. God bless you. It, each chapter is its own poem, basically. The entire thing is one long poem. So okay. Um, and so discovering ivory, the the it's about a man whose wife passes away, and this 
clown, really a mime that takes him through this kind of whimsical journey. Yeah. Teaching him lessons on how to beat depression through the entire book. And his wife's name was Ivory. She passed away. So it's him trying to get through the depression of losing his wife. Right. And so it's kind of like him trying to find the light. So discovering Ivory, you know, in a charcoal cave would be. I like it. So I like it a lot. A face is the um, best. That's my new one. Yeah. I want to talk about this because it is the new one and because I've got some questions about. The uh, the artwork on the cover, uh, Faces of Beth, clearly is uh, either a, a ripoff or or a, a tribute to Faces of Death. Right. It's People a tribute. Who, it's kind of a tribute. You can see the the even the font is the same or very same, similar yeah, to what. Very similar. <laughs> now, I got to be very careful with what I say about it because I don't want to give away some of the twists in it now. The, right. I think the cover and the the title and stuff and even the blurb kind of give you a hint of what's going on in the book. Yeah. But you I still kind of yeah, I got I kind of got an idea of what was happening. Um I don't want to go into it too much because right. it is the new one mm -hmm. and I want people to buy it and download it yeah. and whatever mm -hmm. you can do to it. Grad night. I've heard a lot about this. I've in fact yeah. I spoke to somebody who actually has a, a paperback edition of this book. Oh, yeah. And so let's talk about Grad Night. It's yeah. one of your early works. I wrote this when I was a teacher over in Panama. I was teaching high school, teaching English as a second language. Right. And this is actually about high school students getting revenge on their teachers on a, I love on a it. Grad Night party. <laughs> and it's sick. It's twisted, but it's like... Yeah. You know, each student has their reason for why they're doing it. And it's funny because I mentioned this at the Scares That Care uh, author con convention I was at at a panel I was on. I mentioned how as I was writing it, it originally, I just wanted to write a sick book about kids getting revenge on their teachers. But yeah. as I was writing it, I actually discovered these kids reasons for why they were doing it like each yeah. one came to I me. even I even asked Alexa, I said, tell me about Carver Pike. Alexa asked and she actually mentions that book when I asked oh, yeah. about you. Yes. I've never done that. That's for yes. I'm gonna have to do that. That's yeah, I said, cool. Alexa, tell me about Arthur <laughs> Carver Pike. And she mentions you, and she says he's also she's also well known for the book. The yeah, huh. you should do no, that. I, that. Yeah, yes. yeah, I do that all the time with me, mm -hmm. with my show, with mm -hmm. you know, with you. <laughs> you know, I That's tell you know, talk to Alexa. Mm -hmm. I go Amelia Pitbull Chapman. Amelia Chapman is the co-host of Wrestling with the Future podcast. <laughs> it's funny shit to hear that. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. Let's talk about this one, Carver. Passion and pain. This right, is so also part of the Diablo snuff story. Yeah. So um, that one, I I was part of a, a group called the the Romance and Erotica Authors Fraternity. So it was a bunch of male authors in a romance group. Mm -hmm. And we were writing an anthology together. The only rule was it had to revolve around this this fraternity, this fictional mm -hmm. fraternity. Right. So it was all romance books. I wrote it one as Chris Genovese. It was about this guy that falls in love with this girl. He meets her. She's like a violinist and stuff. And yeah. And well, one of the authors, he pulled out of the anthology. He couldn't write his story. He was too busy mm -hmm. or something. So I said, well, why don't I take his place and, and write the 10th story, too? I'll do it as Carver Pike and I'll just fuck my first story up. So, yeah. How about I just take my first couple and Carver Pike it? You know what I mean? Just like Absolutely. show what happens when a horror author gets a hold of that couple <laughs> and just uh, 
So the Let's first talk about, the first story is called. Mm-hmm. The first I story want to talk called, about that. That's an interesting. That's a really, really interesting dilemma you bring up, mm-hmm. and people don't realize what Carver just said. I want to kind of like give you a, um, a little heads up because I go through it myself. Doing the show, and and because of who you are, you you write. You write as Carver Pike, but you're, there's also another person inside you named Chris Genovese, okay? When I do the show, I'm Mad Dog DeCipio, but Angelo DeCipio isn't far off, okay? How do you know when to turn on Carver? Uh, I don't know. It's funny because now it's, it's, it's not so easy to hide Carver because even in my romance stuff he starts to seep out like i'm actually writing a story now with my wife because she's also an author and she we're writing a book together and and i wrote the first chapter and it's a biker book and it's uh right in the beginning i start talking about creepy clowns in this room you know and stuff and i was just like there we go i'm already like slipping into carver mode like and i'm supposed to be writing as chris genovese but that's yeah that was what the that's kind of why i created that cm genovese that middle ground And with the biker books, you'll notice anybody, Donna's read all my books. She's read, she's like the most amazing reader I have. I mean, she's, and she's also an author and she's a badass author too. Donna, mm-hmm. that's in the chat. Carver, anything that's got creepy clowns in it, I'm all no. for. No. Anything <laughs> he knows will, why he said that. No, no. <laughs> any, anything that'll freak out Amelia is, is no. all go with me. Just don't turn it into a movie. Thank you. This Donna's <laughs> read my Genevieve uh, stuff and she was, she just said, yes, I have. And she can attest that even my CM Genevieve stuff has some Carver Pike in it. I mean, they all have some kind of creep factor to them. There's some, but like the bad guy in those stories is a religious group that, like a cult. Yeah. It's pretty sick. I mean, there's some, like, there's a character called the Knockman that wears a bag over his head and he comes to collect the taxes at your door. And if he knocks more than three times, Mm-hmm. You know, you're basically a goner, you know, like oh, you, don't, you don't you don't leave him knocking on your door kind of thing. You know, like there's the creepy shit in those books, too. I mean, <laughs> what inspired Redgrave? Redgrave was actually semi based on a true story. I mean, I okay. it's about a it's a, the story's about a female security forces uh, uh, person, whatever, in, in Air Force security forces. And she volunteers to work a post where she is up in Alaska and she's supposed to watch a, a soldier that's in confinement. He happens to be like kind of a psycho serial killer type person. Well, I was a security forces uh, uh, member up in Alaska and was basically her role where I was, I had to watch a person in confinement in this old creepy building because we didn't really have anywhere else to keep them. And I wasn't allowed to have a gun uh, because they didn't want you to be armed in this room with him alone, you know. So I had to stay overnight, a couple nights in a row, with just a flashlight, and peek in this little window and make sure he was asleep. Yeah. And then check every hour, check all the outlets, the electrical outlets, make sure they weren't on fire or anything like that. Right. And you know, of course, me being me, I sat up and watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre and shit on the TV and stuff and scary movies and creeped That's myself annoying. out all night, you know. 
Really, yeah. he didn't do anything but sleep all <laughs> night, but, but it was still creepy yeah. looking in the little window. So, you know, I conjured up this story, but of course the, the book is way scarier and shit happens in the book that didn't happen in real life. But the idea... Oh, I'm looking at a book cover here that's uh, clearly a scalp of hair loaded <laughs> with head lice. That is my parasitic head lice story. Yes. Mm -hmm. so, Talk to me about scalp, my friend. These that one got a lot of good reviews. I remember that one yeah. <laughs> when that one came out. Mm -hmm. People either love it or 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 won't read it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, that one everybody funny, wanted to read it. Anybody that reads it seems to love it, but oh yeah, I remember so many love, people. <laughs> a lot of people won't read it just because they don't want to read head lice. Yes. Yeah. No. That's so look, that that's got a horror written all over it, brother. Yeah. Anything so this, that's got like creepy crawlies in it, I'm down with it. They jump from scalp to scalp and dig mm -hmm. through your skull, you know, into your brain exactly. and take over your body. And mm -hmm. so this so is part the seed of sin, the edge of reflection number three. Yeah. So Talk this is to me about this one because I've heard a couple things about this. So this series was one of my very first ones. This was actually one yeah. of the ones that was written under Chris Genovese to begin with. So and this right. was originally written under my real because my real first my real name is not even chris genovese that's a family name but it's not my real name right so this was actually written under my real name to begin with so um, right. edge of reflection is about a world on the other side of the mirror where we each have kind of a dark doppelganger so let's say ah. you find out your wife's cheating on you and you really want to kill her but you just don't have the balls to do it over here you know and you're standing in front of the mirror and you're just yeah. like i can't fucking take it anymore i want to kill her well you're dark you know the mirror will cloud over and then your dark version kind of grabs you pulls you into the mirror switches places with you and does the deed you know kills your wife whatever and yeah brother so, that's got movie written all over it yes so that's i really would love for this to be at least it. a tv show i mean i have four books in the series and i i I've put off writing it for a long time because this is my dark fantasy series and it just hasn't found the fan base that I wanted it to find. Well, um, it's found a fan base with me. I oh, know. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I know I like that it. being my first series, it, yeah. it probably doesn't have the strongest writing in it. I mean, I've definitely developed my skill a lot. Well, better, yeah, but don't, you know, but don't I mean, forget, you know, you no. were young at the time and you were, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. still, you know, kind of feeling who you are. Shadow right, puppets, so, scarecrows yeah. of Minnow Ranch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, so that's that's definitely that was definitely when I was coming into the horror from erotica. So this right. is an, what I would definitely call kind of an erotic horror. It's a a woman take trying to clean up her house after mm -hmm. her mom passes away, and yeah, there's a uh, scarecrows moving out in the corn and sexual scarecrows. It. Let's just say, like, <laughs> yeah, the red eyes glow. <laughs> yeah. Did you read that one, Amelia? Yes. <laughs> I was like, okay, I don't think I want to be on the field. <laughs> now, this is also part of the Diablo Snuff story series, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Slaughterbox. This one um, was nominated for a Splatterpunk last year. So, Oh, the Splatterpunk Award. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. Well, have to so check that one out. Let's see what the next one is. I What I did was I grabbed a bunch of your titles that, that looked mm -hmm. interesting to me. Which yeah. means I kind of grabbed them all. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk about the fractured fall and edge of reflection four. So there, there's, mm -hmm. the, clearly there's a series, the edge of reflection. Mm -hmm. Right. And so each one brings a different element to it. What, right. What is the, uh, the catharsis or the, um, the, 
the spinning wheel for the fractured fallen. What's what's this all about? It's kind of hard to explain without giving stuff away up to the fourth book because it's uh, like I said, it's about a, a dark mirror world. So the main character gets pulled into the mirror. Mm-hmm. So he spends kind of the first and second book really trying to get back to right. his world. Mm-hmm. Um, oh God, it's really hard for me to explain it without giving away what right. happens in book one and two because okay, book three and four really depend on what happened in book one and two. So it's oh, kind absolutely, of really, okay, that's not really a problem. To, not a problem. I have to read it. all the books, people, to find out what happened. All the more buy all for- the books. <laughs> All the more reason for people mm-hmm. to go buy it. Yeah. The Grindhouse. And that the Maddening is the one that's nominated this year for Splatterpunk. So this is, the Maddening is my biggest book. Where is it? It's The Maddening is this one. I mean, it's a big... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you're, you're going to have to send a few of those uh, books my way, my friend. Um <laughs> Yeah, because I want to bring I want to bring some reality to these. Um, this here, this, uh, number one in the Edge of Reflection series, Twisted Mirrors. Yeah. So this is what we were talking about. Yeah. So that's where it all begins with uh-huh. the fabulous. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, Amelia. Questions yes. for our friend Carver Pike. The handprint behind you is that your handprint? I've been wanting to ask you that for a no. long time. <laughs> that is no, like. It's not. <laughs> no, but and that's I, a good idea. Actually, I should. Yeah, <laughs> just do that was like I said. That has been like it. And I also had I saw that Julie um says that Daisy May is your baby, the cat. Oh God, yeah, yeah. I saw that on there. I said, yeah. I was not a cat lover at all until I moved mm-hmm. here. So, <laughs> and then you oh. have a uh, a sign behind you that says Haddonfield. I um. And that's very noticeable to me. There's a couple of reasons why. I live not far from a real place called Haddonfield that has a real place called Crystal Lake. I'm not even making this shit oh, up. Oh, really? I, <laughs> if you think I'm kidding, go <laughs> on the Google, folks. Haddonfield, New Jersey, Crystal Lake. Camp Crystal Lake. Can't make it up. Mm-hmm. By the way, for the record, Camp Crystal Lake was the actual real camp used for the Friday the 13th film series. Can't make it up. Go check it out if you think I'm kidding. The the reason I'm interested in that is because today I found out, today, I can't tell you who they are yet, but an actor, a well-known actor from the Friday the 13th series will be a guest on our show in three weeks. That's all I can tell you. I can't wait. That's cool. I want to tease everybody a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> but the Haddonfield sign was very um, prevalent to me. I want to talk to you, Carver, about what what things inspire you, what things used to inspire you as you began, and what now um, gets you to, to motivate it to write. Okay. And do you have to be in a, in a mind frame to write, uh, or does something have to... Uh, kickstart it. Does there have to be a catharsis for something not, not, to make you write? Not really. In fact, I can't turn it off. It really, it's kind of, it probably annoys my wife to be, to be honest, <laughs> because it's, I'm, I can be anywhere and I, I feel like all I talk about is writing and it's probably annoying to anybody that's not a writer because it's just, 
like, honestly, we can be anywhere. And like, I was driving down the highway and I saw a truck pulling a camper and I just immediately blurted out an idea that came to mind. Mm -hmm. We saw a sign on the side of the highway and I mentioned another idea that came to mind. And I mean, it's just constantly ideas and, and um, pen and paper with you at all times. Yeah. Are you guys still there? The screen yeah. just went to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have yeah. yeah. no, paper here. with you at all times, right? <laughs> Is it just me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. And then, um, so, so for inspiration, uh, music does it a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't, I can't write with, I can, I can write with music on as long as there's no lyrics. Like I love to listen to movie soundtracks. I have That's a good Spotify playlist mm -hmm. with horror music. Wow. Like theme songs. I love theme songs when I'm writing. I can't, yeah. if there's lyrics in it, I tend to start singing along and shit like that. And then I can't <laughs> concentrate, but music with lyrics inspires me. So when I'm driving around, I like to listen to like rock and, and darker, like, uh, uh, really any kind of music. Will so Donna Latham wants to know, Carver, why do you still have that creepy mask in your office? <laughs> <laughs> I wore this mask on the Halloween show of our podcast, the written and red podcast. And she swears that it moves, that it was like, she also wants to know if you could show us Daisy. <laughs> Daisy's out there. I'm not chasing her down. She's out. In the house oh, Daisy's your dog. The cat, the cat, oh, the cat. Daisy May. Yeah. And she's a pain in the ass. Cause she, when she knows you want to pick her up, she'll run and hide. But then she comes around when you're busy and don't want to pick her up. So that's funny. So she'll run if I go out there. Oh, <laughs> I'm fascinated by literature that translates into film. Mm -hmm. I'm a visual person. When I read a book, it yeah. doesn't, matter what, doesn't matter what kind of book it is, because um, I've got several hundred books here from people that have been on the show. We have a, you know, a, a, a show here called The Writer's Room. This broadcast is going to end up on The Writer's Room web yeah. website, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. um, when I read a book, my mind goes to that big movie screen in my brain. And as I'm reading, I'm creating images, or actually you're creating the images for me. When you write, do you write with that intent in mind to create imagery? I, I do. In fact, I mean, I've been told that my writing is very cinema, cinemascope, I guess it was the word. Yes. Used yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, in fact, like with the, a lot of my books in the beginning, anyway, started out as uh, screenplays because I started writing screenplays. I don't know if you remember that show Project Greenlight that used to be on. I actually I started, know somebody that's the producer of this show. Well, I started out, I bought, based on that show, back when uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck were were promoting that um, movie magic screenwriter software. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I bought that and started writing screenplays back when that was a thing, you know, when that software was out. Yeah. So I wrote like uh, I wrote an ending for Halloween before Rob Zombie started making Halloween's. Oh, I have my own version of it, but then when Rob Zombie made his movie, I was like, "Oh fuck it," and I just threw it to the side. <laughs> I'm like oh, it's too late now. And then I I wrote my Ed the Edge of Reflection series. Yeah. I've actually I have probably up to book five or six at least in screenplay format. I've changed things in the books which screwed up the screenplays. So I'd have to adapt them and all that, but. Yeah. I mean, I have a few other um, screenplays that I still need to, you know, play with. And I've written a musical screenplay, or at least most of it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I used to love writing screenplays, so that's kind of where I started, and I love. Do you second guess yourself when you're writing? Do you find yourself going back as, you know, we're all critical of yeah, of right. our work. We all we all mm-hmm. are. Oh yeah. Writers absolutely. are. I have noticed uh, interviewing, literally hundreds of writers, that writers among the people that we've had, athletes, um, actors, producers, directors. Um, you know, uh, professional wrestlers, the MMA people, all kinds of people here. But the one area that everybody, that seems to be people who write for a living, who make their, who earn their money writing, they seem to be the most insecure people of all the guests that we have. And I want to know why. What yes. is it about the psyche of a writer? Know. Yeah, I guess so. I would say with every book I write, there's a little bit of that self-doubt, especially until I until I get through the final draft. When and then usually you know, I'm reading it and I'm like, okay, this kind of kicks ass. Like I, you know, I kind of get to that when point do you know, like, Carver, that that this is a home run? I don't know. Like that's what I'm saying. Is towards the end, right when I'm about to publish it. By then, I usually kind of have a feeling that it's a pretty like with Faces of Beth, mm-hmm. as I was writing. I loved the idea. Then as I was finishing up the first draft, I'm like, man, I don't know. Cause I knew I was going to send it to Brian Keene and, and Brian <laughs> Keene is a fucking superstar. I mean, yeah, sure. He's the man, you know, and he was writing the introduction for it and I hadn't told anybody that yet. And so I was really nervous about it. I'm like, nobody knows this. Yeah. He, I haven't told anybody. He said he would do it, but he hasn't even read the book yet. So he might read it and say, this is a piece of shit. I don't want to put my name on it. So I've written the foreword to seven books already and on all different kinds of books everything from uh rock and roll biographies to psychic books to religious books to you name it okay Mm -hmm. the hardest thing for me and and it's it's just me the hardest thing for me to really do is to be honest with somebody that because this is their hard work this is their writing yeah. And I don't want to write a review or a, a forward of a book knowing that I really don't care for it. And some and I've done that in a couple of occasions because the people are friends of mine and you don't say no to your friends. Right. Um, have there been situations in your writing where. Where someone who is close to you said, this is not you. You know, don't put this out. Don't put this book out. I know you put a lot of time into it, but it sucks. Um, yes, but not. They weren't that close to me. They were people that I kind of trusted because they were they'd read for me and stuff like that. Okay, but in fact, I'm glad I didn't listen to them because it kind of. Yeah. This is a term. This is a term I use sometimes. They they it kind of knocked my dick in the dirt. Like it kind of knocked oh, yeah, me down, sure. made me feel like. I mean, I, I was like, I was fucking depressed for when they first told me that I was like, man, this is, and this was back when I was writing erotica, mm-hmm. but then I, I didn't listen to him. I actually went ahead and published it anyways. And it turned out to be one of my most popular books. So, I just decided, I was like, you know what? It's not for everybody. You know what I mean? Exactly. I want to say hi to Robert. Cause I just see Rob. I saw Roberts in here too. I can't see the comment though because it my, says, "Hey, Ange, how's it going?" My screen is. Do you blocking. know Robert? Do you know Robert Whitaker Johnson? 
You're talking to me? Yeah. Yeah, the name, yeah. He's a very dear friend of mine. Or I think He's so. The name, hey, man. <laughs> if you ever thought of like of doing a movie, would you see yourself being a part of the so movie what? as well? What's that? Uh, I don't know, man. I have maybe in a movie I could do something uh-huh. like that. But one thing I've discovered about myself is I can't. Um, I'm not good with public speaking. I can do this kind of stuff, and I'm fine. Like I do my own YouTube show. I do the podcasts and stuff like that. But one thing mm-hmm. I have discovered. Even with, it's weird. I can do this kind of stuff and mm-hmm. speak and I'm fine. But if I have to read out loud, mm-hmm. even on even live, like on my own podcast, I, I it's funny because I read on my podcast all the time. Yeah. That's the whole point of the show. I read every single episode. Yeah. But when I had to read at KillerCon, my own book, and I saw that Jeff Strand was there and Brian Keene and other authors that I, re- I respect that are yeah. been in the biz for a while. Sure. And I saw their comments rolling. I panicked and I fucked up and I just, I, I read, I made it and it was a long ass reading. It was like 30 minutes or something. Take comfort, I, my friend. Take I comfort almost had a break, nervous fucking breakdown. Like I can't get up and do, I actually, cause Brian was the one doing the, the panels for scares of care. And I actually said, man, don't put me up there for reading. Like I can't, I can't well, do I'll live readings. That I'll freak out. I can't do like, Live Carver, show. relax, brother. I'll tell you what, they, you are in good company. Stephen yeah. King is exactly the same way. He he said he can be in a film of his work. He can uh, he can go and, and sit down and answer tons of questions from people. But you tell him to stand up and give a speech mm-hmm. or uh, stand behind a podium. He can't do it. No, no. that podium thing really? is is constrictive. He can't stand there. He has to get up. He's got to walk. Mm-hmm. He has. I saw a, a speech that he. It wasn't really a speech. It was a Q and A. But he could literally not stand behind the podium. He had to like take the thing off and put it down and grab a hand mic. They had to get him a hand microphone so he could walk. He said, <laughs> "I can't. I can't do this." It was the oddest thing to see. Here's a guy. That creates this this vision, you know, with his words. You know, he creates these pictures with his words. Mm-hmm. But he couldn't stand there and talk. Imagine that, you know. And but what yeah, you're saying is crazy. exactly the same thing. Amelia, go ahead, kid. Yeah, sometimes hey, I'm hey. I'm like the same way. I can't just sit there like that and be in a podium. I have to walk around and stuff like that. And sometimes if I write a poetry or something like that, people don't understand what I'm trying to say as well. And it's like, you know, if I write something like if I'm walking down this dark road or dark forest or just nothing but dark trees and they're like, well, listen to the birds. You don't understand what I'm saying. There's nothing there. It's dark. There's no birds. Mm -hmm. There's nothing there. You don't understand. It's just me by myself. They Mm -hmm. don't understand the concept of what I'm trying to say. And they're like, well, you write dark. I was like, well, yeah, that's the point. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I can do, like, That's exactly I can do the panels. Point. Like it scares the yeah. care. We did the panel, and I can answer mm-hmm. questions and talk all day long, and I'm fine. Mm-hmm. But there's something for me about having to plan and, and mm-hmm. read exactly. off of like a teleprompter, read off a screen, a PowerPoint, yeah. and and remember details or read from something that. Mm-hmm. And and I talked to Mary San Giovanni, who's also a very well known author. Um, I talked to her because she had a reading at Scares of Care, and she was telling me that it might have something to do with like the cadence of, of reading, like the breathing that goes along with it that makes yeah. it difficult. Mm-hmm. And that's probably it too, because I've noticed that my breathing gets weird when I try to read. 
Mm-hmm. I focus my more on my too. breathing. You know, it's like it, it's like I don't think about my breathing when I'm talking, but when I'm reading, you do think about when you should take a breath. You know, <laughs> right, right, make it to the end of the sentence. Question: We have the question from the chat room. Oh. Um, he says, "Do you come up with the idea for a book or a movie, or are some of your ideas for movies and books based on real life?" And that's a great question. How many? Uh, how much of your work is inspired by things that you've seen, witnessed, or or know about? I would say that the ideas are always fictional. Yeah, I would. I think pretty much all of them are fictional, uh, except for what I told you about with Redgrave. Probably that was mostly yeah. kind of ba- loosely based on real life, other than the fact that it was like a killer. I mean, but I mean, most of the ideas are fictional, but they're in almost every book there's something true in it or at least a part of me in it like for example slaughterbox mm-hmm. that's one of the diablo snuff books the book is is fictional i mean it's about a guy that takes a this girl on a date to a theater right. that's run by this evil entity called diablo snuff and this entire yes. movie theater is a fucking slaughterbox i mean shit's coming out of the screen that's trying to kill them there's shit coming i love it it's, <laughs> this entire theater is meant to like torture and kill everybody in it really yeah. Obviously, I haven't gone to a movie theater where everything's trying to kill me. I mean, well, but, actually, right? the, it, that story is very reminiscent of a film mm-hmm. I saw many, many years ago mm-hmm. called oh, yeah? Midnight Matinee. Yes. Now, I that, seen it. yeah, Midnight mm-hmm. Matinee was based on these people who get trapped in a, an old movie theater. The doors are locked behind mm-hmm. them. They can't get out. And the screen literally comes to life. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nikki DeCooster <laughs> wants to know, she says, I love, I guess he or she, I don't know if it's a he or she says, I love that story and that you stayed true to you. Um, what story are you talking about, Nikki? Uh, and she says, right on Carver. I'm guessing this is a, uh, a female N-I-K-K-I, Nikki? Yeah, that's, yeah, she is. I, I like the way you said that, though, where he says he, uh, you know, he um he comes find you, and I'm like the way it says. I was like, I could just imagine him saying it. He comes find you. It was like I could, I said, I bet you Carver's thinking the same thing like that. The way he's writing it. So yeah. Robert says, uh, the, the for example, hostile, the uh-huh. idea of rich people that, that pay you to kill, uh, um, rich people. They pay to kill people. Oh, okay, I get it. Right, saying. right. Oh. Okay, I get what you're saying. No, like. To me, Hostel's like one of the best horror movies out there because to me, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff does freak me out, man. Anything because I believe that shit happens in real life. Well, yeah. yeah well, he says the same oh, thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Robert like, says, I believe that so, that happens so in real life. The maddening it absolutely does. People really are going the, crazy. Diablo Snuff in in mm-hmm. in whole. I mean, mm-hmm. all of the really in Diablo Snuff. There are five books, and I and I mm-hmm. always admit I fucked up the numbering system in them because it's a foreign right. evil. Really, they're numbered as a foreign evil is number one, the grindhouse mm-hmm. is number two, and the maddening is number three. Then you have passion and pain and slaughterbox, which I call them side stories. Mm-hmm. But really, you have to read those side stories before you read the maddening, which says yeah. number three. The maddening is the fifth and final book, really. So you can read any of the books, all any of the other four in any order, as long as you read the maddening last. Yeah. So they're all kind of standalone. They touch on different characters that are in all the books. But you can read them in any order as long as you read the maddening last. So I'll tell you what, man, this is it's amazing that 
that a young guy like yourself, again, you're 43 years old, a young man has so much inside of him. You've got like 100 years worth of experience in you. Some people are just blessed with this old soul. Um, I think that you're one of those people that just has an old soul and they a really, you know, um, insightful, keen imagination. You're, you know, you said it yourself. Your brain doesn't stop. It keeps going. You just want to write all the time. And God bless you for it. When you get the idea, write it. I don't yes. care where you are, write it. You know, and the next time Rob Zombie does a movie that you've written an ending to, fuck it, write it anyway. Yeah, write I it anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> I, in fact, I might use that script for the, you know, the book Redgrave. I've been wanting to write a full length novel based on that Redgrave character. And I might use that Michael Myers story I wrote, that Halloween script. Yeah. To kind of loosely use it as kind of an outline for my Redgrave novel in a way. Why not? Yes. Redgrave has always been kind of my Michael Myers in my mind. So Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, we have a lot of connections on this show, um, both in the literary world and in the film and television world. Um, You let me know about that, but we will get someone on the show to do illustrations for you. Uh, Absolutely. For sure. Um, Amelia. Yes. This has been a very quick hour, young lady. It has. Man, oh, man. I, 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 think, I think there's a part two like to this. Do, I'd like to extend an invitation for you to come back on a couple different occasions. I want yes. you to come back because we're going to do Horror Night Part 2 with our film guys. Okay? Oh, that would be great. And I want you, I'm going to hook you up with some film people. That's number one. Number two, when you and your wife think you're ready to come back together... Because I know mm-hmm. you're working on a project together. When yes. you're ready to do that, please let me know. Because I want to be the first one, you know, to put it out there. You know? <laughs> All right. Um, so let's she can see. Give you the Rob- dish on what it's like to have to work with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I noticed that she was wearing some scrubs like I, I wear. Does she work at a hospital or? She works at a clinic in the, in clinic? the Yeah. I work okay, at a clinic so as well. Here's what here's what Nikki is saying. Okay, mm-hmm. she was uh, his story about writing what he wants and publishing in it, in spite of the naysayers. Well, I think he just answered that question. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Robert says, "Does it fuck you up mentally sometimes coming up with these ideas?" Question mark. How does it represent you as a person? Very good question, Robert. Very good question. Where so and that's we we actually kind of touched on that question earlier, you know where does um, Mr. Genevieve stop and where does Carver Pike pick up? There has to be a clearly defined separation point, you know, it's what they call point zero. Yeah, where you know where the human being has a life to live and has a wife and dog and ch- or cat, whatever the case is, and then the author. Be, you know, is is his own character. Yeah. For example, Amelia and I, when we're on the show, yeah. we are the pit bull and the mad dog. But if I became mad dog 24-7, I'd end up in jail somewhere. Because <laughs> I get away with shit on this show that I can't get away outside my front door. You know? Uh, my My suspicion is 
that Carver Pike gets away with a lot of stuff that Michael Gen- that the Christopher Genovese doesn't. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say that I've with the places where I've grown up and stuff like that. I mean, you didn't let people get away with shit. I mean, when they talk shit, I mean, you smacked them. You know what I mean? Things you exactly kind of off with your attitude. <laughs> I've noticed it. it's funny because oh, I've yeah. been out of the country for ten years, and and you know I had a hard time kind of keeping my temper under control and stuff over there. Yeah, and being back, I've noticed things have changed a lot. Like, like you can't really just crack off like that with your temper. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. right? And so it's funny because I think having Carver Pike and stuff has kind of calmed me down because I have been able to like control my temper and stuff a little yeah. better now. Um, so I will say that that's a good question, Robert. Thank you for that question. And I think um, I will say that when I do dive into the horror and I do write, you know, one of my horror books, um, there is kind of a cooling off time afterwards sometimes. Yeah. I want to like, sometimes I have to, because I have a deadline, I might have to write like a romance book or some, one of the biker books or something. Yeah. And I can't like, I'm not ready yet. My mind is still in that dark place. Like I finished, I think it was scalp and I had to write a different book, like a romance book. I was part of an anthology or something. And I just, I couldn't, I had to push back that deadline. And I said, I have Mm. to write one more book. And I think I wrote Slaughterbox or one of the other books really quickly i wrote it like in a month or something like i wrote another book real fast because i had to get it out of my system like i just wasn't ready yet to turn off the yeah you know what we just experienced that here on the show as a matter of fact Mm -hmm. um we did four years of professional wrestling and i just was so burnt out on the wrestling I, i just i said i have to i have to get it out of my system I've got one more show to do, and I'm going to be done with it. And I said, Amelia, yeah. uh, if you can if you can stick with me, I'm going to do one more wrestling show, but we're going to go out with a bang. It's going to be a good one. And we did. And we did. And now <laughs> the wrestling is behind us. The entire show has been rebranded. It's no longer Wrestling with the Future. Mm-mm. It's Wrestling with the Future Presents What's the Buzz. Yes, because our our brand is is our brand. You know, it's it's what makes us you know a little bit of change, not yeah. a lot of change, a little bit. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, Carver Pike, you are uh, always a welcome guest here. You will be back. I'll tell you that straight up. Oh, you, absolutely. You well, I'd love to come back. I had a great time. You guys are so easy to talk to. So yeah, this is why every you know what Stephen Plim, who was the manager of people like Adam West. And uh, Jerry Mathers, leave it to Beaver. And he was the manager and agent of Tiny Tim. He says, Angelo is, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toot my own horn, toot toot. He says, Angelo is the Johnny Carson of podcasting. If that's the case, then Amelia is my Ed McMahon. And, and but much prettier to look at than Ed McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> and she's not a drunk like Ed. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> But I tell you, Carver, promote yourself. What's your social? Tell everybody where they can get all of you. Uh, well, I'm everywhere as Carver Pike. You'll find me on Facebook and TikTok and Instagram everywhere. I'm on Am- all my books and everything are on Amazon. I do have my own YouTube show. It's called First Chapter Freak Show. So please check me out there. Uh, like Angelo said, I write. I basically read the first chapters of all my horror author friends books. So mm-hmm. you listen to me, read their books, see if you like them, that kind of thing. And have a lot of fun with that. 
Uh, I'm also on the Written and Read podcast with uh, with my horror author friends there. And um, that's about it. I'm pretty much everywhere as Carver Pike. It's pretty easy to find me. So. Beautiful. Amelia. Yes, sir. Promote yourself. Tell everybody what's going on. Hey, you can, uh, if you want to get on the show or have any ideas, you can reach me at Emily Valerio Chapman on Facebook or aachap70 at gmail.com or our uh, Instagram page. I am in charge of a What's the Buzz uh, or here on Tuesday and Thursday nights with Angelo. Hi, baby, and I'm the Mad Dog. And you can reach me at Mad Dog Decipio on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Twitch, on Vimeo, on YouTube. I'm there, and I'm not going anywhere. I ain't got to go. So <laughs> if you want to find me, I'm really easy to find me. Mm-hmm. All those places I just said, <laughs> there you go. There you go. I'm not promoting anything. I'm not selling anything. I'm just a big mouth that likes to talk. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Who, uh, so, oh, somebody else in the... in the. Uh... Okay. Oh, yeah, Robert says, love to all. All right, Robert, we love you too, brother. Uh, yes. By the way, he's in in England right now. So uh, for Amelia Bellerio Chapman, for Carver Pike, I'm the Mad Dog. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. Maybe we will. <laughs> well, I'm sure we will. What do you think, Amelia? We'll see him. Oh, absolutely. I I can tell see a few more shows. Then. How come That'd I always awesome. got to tell them goodbye? Why don't you tell them? Thank goodbye? you, everybody, for yes. showing up for us. That was awesome. Oh, Beautiful. absolutely. Yes. See you next time, everyone. See you next time, everyone.